Well, good morning. That's the way to kick off a service. My name is uh, Ryan. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm actually the, the Next Steps pastor, and I'm, I'm really passionate about helping people to take their next steps spiritually, and I love to help people to start serving others. And when I think of someone who serves others, I think of my friend Brock, and I'm actually really jealous of my friend Brock, and not just because he's way better looking than me and has more hair, but I'm jealous of him because he gets to serve people full-time on the mission field in Guatemala. So he's got a similar story to mine. Both of us became followers of Jesus later in life, and uh, we actually left uh, corporate America and went into the ministry. And he moved his whole family down to Guatemala And after a few months there, he began to discover that there was a lot of needs in the community. He actually had his heart and his eyes open to what God wanted from him and who God wanted him to be. And it didn't take him long after being in the community to realize that there was some real hurting people. People were living in cornstalk houses and they had dirt floors and it gets real rainy at different times there and people were dying. Kids were dying because of pneumonia. They couldn't get they couldn't get things dried out, and, and kids were, were suffering. They said, we've, we've got to do something about this. And so they established the 1212 Love Project. And the church partnered with them and basically helped them to build a house a month for the first 12 months. And our church actually got a chance to go down there after he had got up and running. And this is Francisco. Francisco. That's a fun name to say. Uh, this is Francisco, and we actually we built a house for his family. They had actually lost their first child, and we came down there. Here's our missions team that went down there and uh, got a chance to, to dedicate this house for them. And so uh, Brock saw a need and met, uh, met a need, but it wasn't long. They'd been there a little bit longer in the community when one night someone comes pounding on their door. And it's this gal. They open the door, and she's bleeding from her head, and they're like, what happened? It's someone they'd gotten to know over over the time there. They knew her. They knew her husband. And it turned out where he had come home from work and had hit her over the head with a frying pan because she didn't have dinner ready for him. And they discovered that there was this deeper need in the culture where there were a lot of young boys who were growing up to be abusive young men and alcoholic young men. And so they discovered this deeper need and they said, we've got to do something about this. And so they developed the Buena Vista Soccer Academy. You can see their gymnasium, and they utilize this facility to train young boys in how to become men and how to become godly young men. And they're five to six years in now, and they are transforming the culture. And now that community knows that Brock and his family are there because they're for the community. They don't want to just be in it, but they're for it. And as I, as I thought about our church... As I thought about JCI, that's what we want. We want to be a church that people know we're for the community, not just in it, but as we're for it, we, we're also in it. And so my hope, uh, it's, it's, it's one of the core beliefs of our church, but my hope is that you'll, by the end of this series, you'll know that. You'll know one of our core beliefs and why we're so passionate about it. And we're, we're in the middle of this series called The Love Revolution. And Pastor Christian kicked it off last week, and he challenged us about about the fact that we're to do something, right? If you remember, he kind of just said, Here, here's, here's how I know we're supposed to do something. And he, he turned to the New Testament. He said, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Acts. Right? It wasn't Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John preaching. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John worship. Matthew, Mark, and John, great children's ministry. No, it was Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the Acts 
of the apostles. They were, they were known as people who did things. So by the time we finish today, I'm asking you to have your heart and your eyes open to the needs of our community and what God has for us to do. Because I, I believe if we don't, Jesus has some strong words for us. So the Bible text we'll study today gives us a, a tremendous opportunity of, of how we want to be seen in our, in our community. So uh, that's why we're doing Love Week, right? You've heard it last week. We're doing Love Week to give you opportunities to build a bridge into our community. So if you have the JCI app, you can open it up. I was talking to my son before the first service. I was like, hey, you're going to pay attention, take notes. He's like, Dad, I do it right here on the app. So all right, ni- nice work, buddy. So if you have the JCI app, you can open the sermon notes. You can uh, grab the bulletin, and there's some sermon notes in there. Uh, You can follow along. Uh, But if not, let's turn to Luke chapter 10. And as you do so, you'll see there's two types of people represented in the text today. There are religious people who don't do anything. And then there are love-filled people who see needs and they meet needs. And so I've always appreciated Luke, the author of this book. He's a doctor, and he was very into detail. He did a great job of recording history and recording events. And here in Luke chapter 10, it records an event where an expert in the law comes up to test Jesus. And so we're going to see this interaction. And this Jewish expert in the law, he, he wants to justify himself in this situation. He wants to justify that his faith is the kind of faith that God's looking for. And instead of just answering his question, of course, Jesus is going to teach. He's going to, he's going to move people to action. And he gives two options of what faith could look like and what I believe we, uh, what we believe is best. And so Luke, look at your, your Bible, Luke chapter 10. It's on the, the screen if, if you want to follow along there as well. 25 through 37. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, who's my neighbor? But uh, Jesus replied and said, a man was going down uh, from from Jerusalem to Jericho, and He was attacked by robbers, and they stripped him of his clothes, and they beat him, and and he went away, leaving him half dead. Verse 31, a priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and Then he took the man on his donkey and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. And then Jesus asked, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus said, Go and do likewise. You know, I heard a story this week about a guy by the name of Jason Warnock. He's a construction worker in Idaho, and he was traveling home, and he comes around a corner, and he sees this 
log fallen. Looks like it was obvious something had happened. And so he stopped and he looks up and he sees this. He sees a car, a truck dangling on the side of a 30-foot cliff. And the only thing holding it up was a chain link fence. And so he took action. He ran around. It was too steep to run up there. He ran around the edge and he got to the top and you can see the picture. Now he starts to pull the guy out. Before he did so, he started to pound on the window. He said it started to rock and he finally got the guy's attention. He was like, hey, roll down the window. I'm trying to help you. And so he, he pulls Matthew Sitko to safety. And you can kind of see this bewildered look. It, it looks like Matthew's kind of staring up into the sky. They had a neat interaction as he was pulling him out. The guy says, you know, I started reading my Bible last night. And Jason's like, that, that's great. And maybe God had me here today to save you. And maybe God didn't allow you to go over that cliff because God wants to be closer to you. And he got a chance to sit down and talk to him about the Bible for a, mu- a few moments before Jason left. And, it's, and as I thought about it, I thought, what a good Samaritan story. The fact that he, he stopped and helped this guy. And I just, I've realized that all of us have opportunities where we have a choice to make. Are we going to stop and, and help someone and, and do something that God may have a plan for us to interact with this person? And as I read the story in Luke chapter 10 this week, there were two examples of faith that kind of impacted me. One is the obvious choice that Jesus wants us to follow. And then we have an unfortunate example. And I want to read this twice. I want it to impact you. When churches don't help meet needs in a community, they've stopped being good neighbors. Did you hear that? When churches don't help meet needs in a community, they've stopped being good neighbors. You know, I was in Israel in 2008. And I stayed the night in Jericho with my wife at, in the group we were with, with one, at one of the nicest hotels I've ever been at. It, it literally was like an oasis. It was formerly the Intercontinental. It's now called the Oasis Hotel. It's beautiful. And uh, Jericho is less than about 20 miles from Jerusalem, but it's 800 feet below sea level. So it's cooler than the surrounding area that gets pretty hot. So for thousands of years, people have been going there to kind of vacation. They've been going there to to have a time in this beautiful oasis. And at the time of the telling of this story, uh, no doubt many priests, many Levites would have left the temple and kind of gone on maybe a little sabbatical on the way to Jericho for a break, Um, you know, take some time off. And so if you were to break down or in this case, get beat down, this would be the place for it to happen, right? Why? Because most likely there would have been plenty of religious people passing by. Surely on the way down from Jerusalem, there would have been someone who would have helped him. But the priest, he didn't stop. The Levite, he didn't stop either. And as I thought about that, I thought, you know what? A lot of times Christians, we get we, we wear our Christianity like it's a badge or like it's a job, and we, we, we don't... We don't act as Jesus' followers who would have stopped to help this person. It becomes kind of a a thing that identifies that maybe our heart isn't into helping people. And it made me think that our study of Jesus can sometimes become a substitute for following him. And Mark Batterson's a a pastor in, in D.C., and he had this quote, and I thought, man, that is so true. He said, most of us are educated way beyond our level of obedience, like we know what to do, but, but our obedience doesn't necessarily show it, right? That Francis Chan quote last week, you know, we can quote a lot of things that Jesus said, but we don't always do a lot of things that Jesus said. 
And I've got, I've got four kids. Three of them are here in the front row. And so my oldest is 15. So I have seen about every kid's movie over the last 15 years that there possibly is. And as I thought about this quote from Mark Batterson, it made me think about the movie Wally. Not a, not a, a, a big time known name for children's movies, but it was, it was pretty good. It's, it's a story in the future where something happened on earth and everybody had to evacuate. They kind of go on this, this vacation up on this space resort. And they start riding around. You'll, you'll see a picture. They start riding around in these hovering chairs. They have all the video chatting they want. They've got all the movies they want. They literally don't have to do anything. They're like, it's like they're on vacation. And, and they, for some reason in the movie, they don't even cut their own food. They, they now drink it through a straw. I mean, they have become so lazy and so out of shape. There's a, there's a point in the movie where something kind of glitches and they all fall out of their chairs and get, they just kind of waddle. They can't even walk anymore. They become so out of shape. And as I thought about that, I thought if we're not careful, that can be us as Christians. We can kind of get so puffed up with knowledge or things that we know to do or even so used to church as usual where we don't get up and get out and do something. Like we can get so used to just the normal routines of life that we don't get up, get out, and do something to help, help others. And I believe this priest, he, he knew what he was supposed to do. You know, and, and, and maybe he, he, he would have stopped if it was in Jerusalem. Maybe he had kind of an off-the-clock mentality, like, hey, I, I'm, I'm off the clock. I don't need to help him. But I believe it wasn't the distance of 20 miles, right, from Jericho to Jerusalem. I don't believe it was that distance. I believe it was the distance of 18 inches. I, be, I believe it was the distance between his head and his heart. And, and if we're not careful... Too often our own ability can be separated by the distance from our head to our heart. We know what to do, but it's not in our heart to do it. And the dangers are as real for us now as it were for these religious people at the time of the telling of this story. You know, our study of Jesus can become a substitute for following Jesus. I mean, come on, let's face it. It, it feels good sometimes to have knowledge about godly things, right? We can kind of get puffed up and think, man, I know some things. You know, like I'm a, I'm a pretty godly guy, but you know what? It can make us feel good about ourselves, but it doesn't make other people feel good about Jesus. It's empty. And it's not anything new in the church today because Paul, in writing to the church in Corinth, was addressing this very same thing where people were getting puffed up with knowledge and, and they weren't really helping other people. And here in 1 Corinthians 8, he says this, we, we know we all possess knowledge. But knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. So I'll say it again. Knowledge makes us feel good about ourselves, but it doesn't make other people feel real good about Jesus. And so the Apostle Paul, excuse me, the Apostle John jumps in in some text we're going to read here in a moment, and he reminds us of Jesus. He reminds us of our example. He reminds us of what, what, it, what it means to follow him and what it what it means to be like him, and what it means to be known like him. Here's what he says, uh, in a, actually in a moment, in the, in the parable of the Good Samaritan, we're challenged to stop being religious people who do nothing and to start being a community who's known for their actions. And so in 1 John three sixteen through 18, it, it says this, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, 
And we ought to have laid down our lives for our brothers and sisters. And if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. There's a great foreigner song, and I probably should call up my girls to help me with this. They'll probably crawl into the chair after they hear me do this. But there's a great foreigner song, and it goes something like this. I want to know what love is. Then what's the next line? I want you to show me. That was really bad, wasn't it? I got some funny looks up front here. But right, I want you to show me. And that's what, it, that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be a group of people who have it in our heart and we show it to others by our actions. So we know what love is because of what Jesus did for us. Right, he, he gave up his life. He had the ultimate sacrifice. We know what love is by what he did for us, but we're known by our love for what we do for others. And others, are, are there identifying marks in our life where people would see love in us, where they would see the love of Christ in us? That's how we're known. And so is that what you're known for? Is that what I'm known for? So we see this unfortunate example, but then Jesus gives us an amazing example. And number two, that amazing example is that we will make a difference by loving and by bringing love and help to the hurting in our community. We will, we will make a difference by bringing love and help to the hurting of our community. So after the priest, after the Levite, after they kind of go wandering by and, and don't do anything, they kind of give one of these. They demonstrate a bad example. And then we see this, this great example. In Luke 10, again, 33 through 35, but a Samaritan as he traveled, he came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. That's one step of it, right? He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. So two guys walk right by, and the least likely the least likely guy stops. And you might wonder, like, like, why is this least likely? Well, the Jews and the Samaritans, they hated each other. And they hated each other for hundreds of years. And I'll give you a little Samaritan history just briefly so you can follow. Israel was in a north and a south kingdom. And in 722 BC, the Assyrians come down, they attack the northern kingdom, and they conquer it. And they take a bunch of the people with them back to Assyria. And then they take some Assyrians and they put them back into this northern Israel. But with these Assyrians comes a bunch of cultic practices and Assyrian gods. And and the, the Jews who were there start to mix the worship of God with the mix of these Assyrian gods and these cultic practices. So this bitter divide happens between the Jews down in the southern kingdom who are like, they detest who become known as the Samaritans. They detest them in this bitter hatred. They even throw around words like half-breeds. and th- I mean, they, it's a bitter. It's kind of like when a Broncos fan walks into a Chiefs tailgate. There's just instant bitterness. Or, or, a, or a, a Raiders fan walks in. There's just this, this bitterness that's happening. And, and I'm a Broncos fan. And uh, I, I grew up in Denver. So I, I grew up during the years of Elway. And, and I... I Moved to Kansas, 
went to Kansas State, joined a fraternity, and so I lived with 65 guys, and of course, that was around the time where Elway was about, about twice a year having a fourth quarter comeback to beat the Chiefs, and we had just got done watching one of those, and we get into the, uh, the dinner area where we all eat dinner together, and we had this awesome cook named Jean. She, she died a few years ago. She was awesome, but she, she made these awesome dinner rolls. And some of you have been to Lambert's? Well, we had Lambert's at my fraternity house that night. So they said, hey, Holt, who'd you root for for the, Bronco, or for the Chiefs-Broncos game? And I'm like, uh, Broncos? And it was a melee. All of a sudden, every role in the place came my way. There was some hatred in that place for the, the Chiefs-Broncos rivalry that we had. And that's what we saw here. And so the moment that this Jewish expert in the law, as soon as he hears that word Samaritan, he begins to think negative thoughts about that man. He starts thinking negative about this Samaritan, like, where's this going? Nothing good comes out of Samaria. And so the question I have for you today is, what does the community think about you as a Christian? What do they think about you? What do they think about Christians in general? Do they think negative? Do they think, man, they're two-faced, they're hypocritical, they're judgmental? I mean, what, what do they think? Is it... Is it kind of like that love-hate relationship that Homer Simpson had with Ned Flanders? Remember Ned Flanders on The Simpsons? Uh, you know, Homer's kind of self-righteous Christian neighbor. And they, you know, can you imagine how many times Homer must have done something like, because he couldn't, you know, he just couldn't stand when he saw Ned Flanders. They had this love-hate relationship. And maybe, maybe you're here, you're here today. And you're a non-Christian and you're kind of here checking things out. Uh, and, and maybe you think that way. You kind of have a negative bent, a negative stereotype about Christians because, you know, maybe you had some Christians in your life who didn't love their neighbor as themselves. But maybe you're here and, and, and your stereotypes are beginning to change. Maybe you moved into some, uh, next to someone and maybe you have a new coworker and this guy or this gal is actually, this, this Christian is starting to change your mind and they're starting to love their neighbor as themselves, and your heart is being softened. And, and I just want to say this. If you're here kind of checking things out, we're glad you're here. Welcome to the home of a lot of imperfect people. We're just here, we're just here doing our best, and so we're, we're glad you're here. And so in this, this account in Luke chapter 10, this one man who was beat, beat down on the road to Jericho, this Samaritan changed his life. He literally intervened. He could have died, but he intervened and he brought hope and he brought help to this man who was hurting are of you sick of bad news like I, I i'm i'm sick of bad news like it's everywhere whether I, you know if i turn on the radio station if i turn on the television there's bad news on a regular basis whether it's north korea or russia or ms-13 or a war with isis or or senseless violence i mean there is there's there's bad news on every television radio station you ever get sick of good news? No, I mean, like nobody gets sick of good news. We, we love to hear good stories. We love to hear good Samaritan stories. And, and, and I thought, what if, what if the news, and not just positive, encouraging K-love, what if, what if the news, every radio station, every news station was full of good Samaritan stories, like, like it was happening all the time, and it was just like, hey, reporting now, report, hey, news alert, and it wasn't just like who died, who got killed, what got blown up, it was like newscast, good Samaritan stories are happening everywhere, what if, what if it happened, and I say let's, 
Let's do it. Like, let's fulfill what Jesus challenged this expert in the law. To go and do likewise. To, to love our neighbor as ourselves. Because that is the purpose of what we're supposed to do and who we're supposed to be in our community. And you may have grown up in this community and decided to stay here and raise a family here. You may have moved into our community because you heard it was a good place to live or it was affordable housing or the schools were good. You may have moved here because it was closer for work. But what if, what if you're in our community because that is where God wants you to be? Like he moved you next to your neighbor. He put you at that job to be a difference maker. The, the church's purpose is to be a group of people who are in our community representing Jesus and loving like Jesus, right? Like that's, like that's our purpose. And love is, is more than a belief, right? We can believe that. Yeah, preach it, Ryan. That's right. We believe that. It's more than a conviction. Like, you know, I'm challenged by that. No, love is an action. And love is an action when a small group is serving together in the community like like this guy who's part of my Thursday morning small group, Scott, serving in our community. And, or like this, this group. And yeah, that's my buddy Tom in some sweet overalls. You know, this, this is love in action when you're serving your community. And love's in action when you, you, you know about someone at your work who's dealing with a marriage issue. And I had a, 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 a couple just a couple of weeks ago say, man, we're really burdened. She works with someone whose marriage is in trouble. And she's like, man, I just really burdened. She has love and action trying to help them keep it together. And love is love's an action when you volunteer to help people who don't have food or volunteer to take a meal to, a, to someone on your block who had some kind of tough medical uh, situation. That is love and action. But love is only, only becomes an action when after we see needs... And feel those needs, we then meet those needs. Because everyone sees needs. I bet if we got a group of guys up here, we could tell you the needs of our favorite sports team. If I, if I got a group of guys together who drove the same way to work, we'd all know the needs of the traffic, right? We all see needs. And sometimes we see needs and we feel bad, right? We kind of feel bad about it. But we even go so far, as Pastor Christian talked about last week, we even sometimes feel good about feeling bad about something, right? Like we feel spiritual when we, you know, and I, like he kind of said, he might have been the only one to notice what those young kids might have been dealing with. Like he felt good about noticing that there was a need. And we do, right? We all, we've all been guilty of that. We, we, we see a need. We, we don't meet it, but we feel bad that it exists. And we actually feel good that we feel bad. But only when we meet needs do we love. Because love is meeting needs. And that's, again, why we are bringing Love Week. We want to bring it to our community as a, as a way to offer a, a, a bridge to the love of Jesus. And love can show itself in small ways. Recently, I love this story. This 18-year-old boy worked at an Aldi's. And a guy came through and he was having trouble walking and, you know, it wasn't even a big bag of groceries, but this guy was having trouble carrying his groceries. He decided to leave his work and take the few blocks to walk this guy home. And he was just trying to do a little quiet, good Samaritan thing, but someone saw it, snapped a picture and posted his good deed. And he became kind of a, a viral internet sensation for this act, this good Samaritan act. 
So love shows itself in small ways, and then sometimes love shows it in large ways. I want you to check out this video. Here is one of our students who, who saw a need and met it in a big way. Hi, my name is Alyssa, and I completed my Go to Work project by building a library at an orphanage in Guatemala. Guatemala has the lowest literacy rate in all of the Western Hemisphere. I have gone on previous mission trips to Guatemala, and I noticed the kids did not have access to a good education, so I thought the library would be a perfect idea for my project. The project has taught me so much. For example, I've learned how to be an excellent leader. I use leadership skills in every step of my project. Another skill I mastered was responsibility. I learned how to be in charge of something and try my best to make it go as smoothly as possible. This project has truly impacted my life in so many ways because I was able to see the smiles on the kids' faces when I put educational books in their hands. This project is making a difference because it'll provide educational tools for hundreds of Guatemalan kids starting with the children at the orphanage. I am so excited to have accomplished this project and can't wait to see what the future holds for the young children of Guatemala. Thank you for your consideration. So Alyssa saw a need. She had been to Guatemala the year before. And while she was there, she realized in this orphanage, these kids, they, they don't have reading material. And education is a big issue. And she realized we could impact hundreds of kids if we would do something about this. So she goes home and she starts to plan. She starts to pray. She starts to raise funds. And when the next trip uh, comes up, she's like, I'm there and I've got a plan to make a big difference. And so we're proud of Alyssa for going there and seeing that there was something that she could do. And she made a difference in the lives of hundreds of kids who are now utilizing this JCI library, this JCI Biblioteca. And so now Alyssa has her own Good Samaritan story. And my question for you today is, what is your Good Samaritan story? What's your, what's your love revolution story going to be? What's your love week story going to be? And maybe, maybe a better question is who? Like, who is your Good Samaritan story going to be for? You know, who's your love revolution? Who's your love week story going to be? Because I'm, I'm imagining as we sit here, you know of someone or you've seen opportunities and maybe you haven't met them yet, but you know you could begin to. And I want to challenge you to do that. And, and we have some love revolution action steps for you today. And I want to encourage you uh, to take out this card and as you do, step one, number one is I want to encourage you to create a Good Samaritan story. Like who, who could you in the weeks to come, in the months to come, could you begin to be a Good Samaritan for? And so there's a couple of questions there. Who do you see? Who or do you care enough to act and what are you going to do about it? I hope over the next several weeks and months that you'll begin to build a library of between your family, between you, of these Good Samaritan stories where you, you reach out to help somebody. And then number two, I want you to take out this card. And if you don't have one, we have some more on the way out. We have some more bulletins that you can grab one. On your sermon notes, you can actually click a link that says Love Week at the bottom there, and you can fill it out online right there on your phone. But you'll see we've made it as easy as possible for you to partner with us for Love Week. And we have a goal for 100% participation. It's a big goal. We would love 100% participation in this. And I'll explain if perhaps you're going to be out of town, how you could still help during this love week. But you'll see this card. You choose a day that works for you. Choose a time. Choose the opportunity on the backside. Say, man, I would love to do that with my family. I would love to do that by myself. And then we'll give you a t-shirt. 
We'd love to have you help us uh, to, to be a part of this. So fill this out. And then I, if you're going to be gone, you might say, man, I want to be a part of this love revolution, but, but I'm not going to be around. What can I do? So inside your bulletin as well is this Love Week donation drive. These are items. Maybe on your way in, you saw the collection areas. We're going to be collecting starting today through the next couple of weeks. So it doesn't have to be just Love Week. You can bring these items during the week. You can bring them later today. You can bring them next Sunday. But these are the things. We're, we're collecting baseball equipment for the Urban Youth Academy, athletic shoes for the Urban Scholastic Center, for Prodeo, some food pantry items and some other food banks, Hope House and Rachel's House. You'll see some baby items for cold water, some household items to help people, for Hope Faith. Uh, we have some men's suits, some dresses, some things like that to help people who are homeless. And then Marion Hope and the Urban Scholastic Center, we need some more school supplies. So everyone can do something. And we hope you'll take some time because volunteering can be collecting some things and bringing them up there. That can, that can count towards helping someone during Love Week. So I hope you'll help us. I hope you'll help us to start a love revolution so that when people ask, who are we? Who are the people of JCI? And they kind of ponder for a moment in their, their mind. Are they a group of religious people who don't do anything? Or are they a group of good Samaritans who when they see needs in the community, they meet needs? As they think through that, I hope the answer is so quick and easy because of our efforts in Love Week and beyond that they'll be like, that is a home full of people who are good Samaritans, who are helping people, who are meeting needs. I hope you will help people to answer that question. So who are we? Let's move, let's move the message from our head to our heart so that we can help people. If you will, let's bow our heads and let's close our service in a moment of prayer.